Pentecost. What an amazing celebration. You know, it's not just a Christian celebration. In fact, the name, we got the name from a Jewish celebration. And it's, the Jews have three major feasts or festivals. And uh, one is Passover, one is the Feast of Tabernacles, and the other is Pentecost. Now, Pentecost gets its name from Pente, which uh, re referred to earlier because Abby talked about this, is that Pente means 50. And so Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. And it was a Jewish festival that was actually about thanking God and celebrating the, um, and his provision for their wheat harvest. And what the Jewish farmers would do is that they would take their first sheaf of wheat and they would take it as an offering to the Lord in thanksgiving for their harvest. But not only that, it was also a recognition, a remembrance and a celebration of the fact that God had given the Ten Commandments to Moses at Mount Sinai. And so what this celebration did was that they would remember this, the law and the importance of the law and the giving of the law to Moses and would celebrate that. So Pentecost, the festival of Pentecost for the Jewish people is very significant, very important. But what about for us? How significant do you think this celebration is today? Some people, you know, it, it's not even referred to in church these days. So is it crucial? I mean, we've got, we've got three major celebrations. We've got Christmas, we've got Easter, and we've got Pentecost. Which one would you say is the least crucial? Christmas marks the birth of Jesus. Pentecost marks the birth of the church. Easter marks the death and resurrection of Jesus And Pentecost marks the day when that message through the power of the Holy Spirit was taken to the world. Of course, I think the church and the world do not treat Pentecost as they do Christmas and Easter. I mean, where is the Pentecost tree? Or uh, I haven't heard about the Pentecost bunny or um, I, actually, this does surprise me. I've got to say this. When we've recently in Australia, they've brought over the Black Friday sales around Thanksgiving, suddenly taken up in Australia, an opportunity for retail businesses to make the best of it. I'm surprised they haven't thought of the Pentecost fire sales. How good would that be? <laughs> the fact that we've failed to observe this day on the calendar as a special celebration. Oh, yes, it's Pentecost. Like Easter or Christmas, we make a big thing of it. We have a holiday, we have a celebration. We must not let or miss out on the important truth of what Pentecost is. Because unless you make room for Pentecost in your understanding of what it means to be a Christian, you will never fully understand your faith. Jesus was with the disciples in person. We've seen that this morning. We've heard it referred to in the communion. And he knew, as he was with them, he knew that they were going to struggle with being left and he was going to be removed from their presence. They were going to struggle with that. And so he worked out a way, he determined, well, God determined a way in which he would send someone to be with them when he left them. Someone who would comfort them, as we said today, help them, teach them, remind them. It was the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God himself, he would not only be with them, but he would live in them. That means they had him 24-7. 
Not only that, the Holy Spirit's coming signified the birth of the church. Now surely the fact of that we have the presence of God living in us when we, when we, you know, that was made possible and it was celebrated on Pentecost. It's called Pentecost because of the Jewish celebration. Surely receiving the Holy Spirit to live within us, surely the fact that the church was birthed is something that we should think significant to celebrate and remember. Now when we think about Easter and Christmas, we know Jesus is the central character. He's the protagonist in all of this. I mean, the disciples were not even there at um, Christmas. But what is our part in Christmas? What we really do is we celebrate and worship the giving of Jesus, you know, his birth. In, at at um, Easter time, again, Jesus is the central character. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead and all power was put into his hands. What was the disciples' role in that? Well, they didn't do much. They watched on. They were fearful. They were were worried. They were devastated by the fact that Jesus had died. They watched on but could do nothing in terms of bringing salvation or redemption. Only through Jesus that could happen. And what we do at Easter is we can accept what Jesus has done so that it changes our lives so that we are set free and celebrate and thank him for that. But at Pentecost, it all changes. The disciples became the central characters in the story. They are the ones through whom now God is present through, with his power to be able to bring the message of salvation and redemption to the world. And at Pentecost, we become the central characters as well because it's only as the Holy Spirit fills us that we can do what God has called us to do. As he comes into our lives, he fills us with his power and he he equips us to be able to do what God has done. So Pentecost marks this occasion. I think it's pretty important to celebrate, don't you? It's pretty important to remember. It's significant in our faith journey because without the Holy Spirit, where would we be? Donna, without the Holy Spirit, where would you be in recent months? We see Donna up here worshipping this morning. I was moved by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in her because she's going through a journey of suffering and a a challenging journey with cancer. But every Sunday she's here worshipping Jesus, praising God. Kylie's the same. These people witness to the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts because in our own strength, not possible. Not possible at all. We would stay at home. We would be overcome by the the pain and the difficulty of the journey. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, does it take away the suffering? No, you ask them. It hasn't taken away the suffering. But it has given them a power to rise above it. It's given them a power to walk through it. And that's what God the Holy Spirit does. So this morning, I'm going to do a Steve. I've got five P's, Steve, this morning, the P's of Pentecost, and quickly I'm going to move through them to help us understand how important Pentecost is for us in our faith journey. So the first one is the promise. Jesus did not want to leave his disciples feeling like they were bereft because he was going. And so when he was with them, as Samuel referred to some of these verses this morning, um, in chapter 14 of Acts, sorry, of John. He said, and I will, that's a promise. When you say I will do something, it's a promise. I will ask the Father 
And he will, a promise, he will give you another helper. Look at some of the words in the Amplified for helper. To be with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because the Holy Spirit remains with you continually and will be in you. So Jesus gave that promise to the disciples and as we saw in the um, you know, a human's representation of what they thought that occasion might be like. Honestly, what would it be like? What would have been like when, when the fire of heaven descended and the wind blew through that place and, and suddenly these men were transformed? But Jesus, as he was leaving, he reminded them of his promise. He said, you will receive power after, when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can go and be my witnesses here, there and everywhere to the ends of the earth. Now, this was not a last-minute promise. This was not a promise that Jesus thought up while he was on earth, thinking, you know, I'm going to be leaving, so I better find a way to, um, you know, to be with, you know, to, to comfort and help my disciples. No, no. God has a plan from the beginning of time. And this plan is clearly put into place. And so right back in Joel, in the Old Testament, we see this promise about the Holy Spirit. We see the promise of Pentecost back in Joel, when the, Joel the prophet uh, tells us about the coming of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we read the Bible, it's a whole picture. You just can't pick out a bit and say that, but you've got to see God has a plan from beginning to end, and he puts it all into place along the way. In Joel chapter 2, it says, Then you will know that, this is God speaking, that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, this is after Jesus and his death and resurrection, I will pour out my spirit. Here it is. Here's the promise for the future on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. This is what, when the Holy Spirit comes, he give us the, gives us the ability to prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Okay, old men in the church, Holy Spirit filled, you're going to dream dreams that God is giving you. you. Young men, you're going to see visions. Women, we're not left out. He says, even on my servants, both men and women. This is in the Old Testament. I will pour out my spirit in those days and everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the thing about God. He doesn't make promises just for a couple of us in here. The promise is for all. It's for every person here today. This promise is for you. Have you received it? He says the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. And he calls us all to himself. So that's the promise of Pentecost. The next thing I want to talk about is the posture of Pentecost. What were these people, where were they at when the Holy Spirit came? What was it like? And so think about this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So the posture of Pentecost is being together. You see, the Pentecost is the birth of the church and God birthed the church because he knew we needed to be together. He knew that we needed each other to strengthen each other in, the, in our faith, to encourage one another. It's too hard to do it on your own. But when you, are, when you are walking the journey, you've got people beside you praying for you, loving you, supporting you. Being together is the posture of Pentecost. 
And then it goes on to say that all these with one mind and one purpose were continually devoting themselves to prayer. So the posture of Pentecost is prayer. If we want the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our church, moving in our city, then our posture needs to be prayer. Now, I was thinking about, because the posture is the way you position yourself, right? And so I was thinking about that in relation to prayer. We teach children at school that when they're praying to bow their heads. Why do we do that? Because it's a sign of reverence. It's a sign of respect. And when we're praying, we do bring reverence and respect before God. We talk about kneeling in prayer. Once upon a time, if you're in a church, everybody knelt during the service. It was a part of what you would do. But how often do we kneel in prayer these days? Because kneeling is a sign of humility. Kneeling is a sign of utter dependence. I think we need to kneel more. We need to be utterly dependent on God. We need to come before his presence with humility. I remember when, um, when we were at home on the night that Ian spoke to me and shared with me about his diagnosis of cancer. After tears and being a little overwhelmed by the news, I remember I said, Ian, we need to pray. And we both got on our knees and we knelt there in the lounge room and we called on the name of the Lord. We called out for the Holy Spirit to fill us, to empower us for the journey ahead. And he did. When we rose up from our knees, I had a peace, a peace that I have never, could never describe, you know, through those 12 months and beyond. But it was a peace truly that passes understanding. It was the Holy Spirit. And when we kneel before God and we seek him, need dependent on him, he will answer. We need to have that posture of prayer. Sometimes we stand in prayer because we are... Um, Standing is also a sign of honour. Um, actually, I was just thinking, going back to kneeling, how often do people, you know, they, I was talking to someone the other day who um, went, uh, Graham Irwin was, got an, an um, what do you call it, like an Order of Australia, and they went down to the Governor-General, and uh, they were all instructed what they had to do, and the women have to curtsy low before the Governor-General and his wife when they come in and they had to tell them how they had to do it to sort of almost kneel before them. And people kneel before kings and queens. But we have the King of Kings. Why would we not want to kneel in his presence? What about standing? Standing is important too because we stand as a sign of honour and respect. All of these positions are important to show honour and respect. But I also think about standing this way. When we're praying for someone, we're praying because there's a gap. There's a gap in the situation. And so therefore when we stand, we stand in the gap for that person, in faith, believing, with confidence in who God is. It gives us confidence as we stand in God, in honour of who he is, but stand, stand our ground. Don't let the enemy take the ground. Let's us stand and hold our ground for God. I mean, not many of us do this. This is another way that people come before God is to lie prostrate, to bow, to lie down with our face to the ground. There's many people in the Bible we see where they did that because the presence of God was so overwhelming, they could do nothing else. Imagine that. Imagine where we, we 
experience God in such a way that it brought us to that place of total surrender, total dependence on God. But most of all, the important thing is that we pray, that we are together, that we pray. And then it goes on, they were continually devoting themselves to prayer, waiting together. The posture of Pentecost is waiting on God, not rushing ahead, not trying to do our own thing and figuring it out and then saying, oh, God, bless this, or, oh, God, I'm in a mess, so what now? We wait. We wait for the anointing. We wait for the power. We wait for the Holy Spirit to fill us and equip us so we can go forward. And, in further, and, and then as the verses continue, it says, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters, saying, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the lips of David. We're in the series of David. This is a little bit aside from the series today, but look, David foretold this. So they're looking at the scriptures. They're searching the scriptures. And so as we, if we want the Holy Spirit to move in us, we need to be in that place of, of being together, praying, waiting, and searching the word of God so we get his wisdom. So if we're not in that posture, then I can assure you that the posture you are in will negate the power of the Holy Spirit or certainly limit it. We need to be in the posture of Pentecost to receive all that God has for us. The other thing about this is we, if we link back to the celebration or the remembrance of the giving of the law, then third P is the picture of Pentecost. We saw this on the video earlier. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like Flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. Now that was a physical phenomena and there's many times in the Bible where we see this, where, God, where, where we see physical phenomena to demonstrate God's presence and in fact one very key example of this is in the Old Testament when God gave the law to Moses. And in Exodus, we, we see that, I'll just go up on the screen, but I'm not going to read it all through it, but you see that there was smoke on the mountain because the fire of God was present. We see that the mountain trembled. And so it's like the wind moving the earth. God was present as he was at um, Sinai. He, is, he was at Pentecost. And he spoke and he declared a covenant with the people. He did that at Mount Sinai and he did it with, with, with the sending of the Holy Spirit. But the difference about the covenant that we have is that this is a covenant where God is present with us and lives in us. Look at Jeremiah 31, 33. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them and I'll write it on their hearts. In Ezekiel, it says, I will remove the heart of stone from you and give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. God lives in us when we receive him. And it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to um, receive all of this. So, last two, very quickly. Of course, we can see that Pentecost, if we want the um, to be able to have all that God wants for us, then we will receive power. 
This is something we can't do on our own and we want to receive that. Um, when Before Pentecost, the disciples were hiding from the public. They were afraid because they saw Jesus put to death so they were frightened. After Pentecost, these frightened men suddenly and miraculously were equipped and empowered to carry the message of God, of Jesus, to the very same people that they were afraid of. Before Pentecost, Peter, when he was approached by some of the people asking him about his relationship with Jesus, he said, I never knew him. But after Pentecost, he's out there preaching about the very man who they, and boldly declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ before a crowd of the same people of, of whom he was afraid. So how did Peter go from being frightened to being fearless? How did he go from being cowardly to being courageous? How did he go from denying Jesus to defending him? It was the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his life. The final one is just a, an interesting but important note, the provision of Pentecost. In the original um, celebration, what God said to the people was that when they um, harvested their field, you can put the verse up, Caleb, I won't read it all, but when they harvested their field, he told them, don't go right to the edges. Leave the edges for the poor and the stranger so that they will have something. And then in um, Luke, when Jesus was speaking about the Spirit of God in us, listen to what he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, upon you, because he has anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. You see, the Holy Spirit with his... God gets the whole picture. He thinks of everything. The Holy Spirit in us is not just for ourselves. It's for others, and particularly the poor and those in need and those who are oppressed we are to be filled and to go out by the power of the Holy Spirit to meet the needs of the world. So this morning, I want to say to you, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to fill you? Have you had a Pentecost experience of God where he has come and filled you and empowered you? If you haven't, then I'm going to say to you today, why not ask him today? Don't let another day go by without asking for God, God himself, his spirit to be in you, to fill you. We're going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to invite Beck to come and sing. And as she's doing so, I want people this morning to forget about everybody else and just think about God. Think about who he is, how powerful he is, how strong he is. And he wants to come and live in me, in you, to fill you with all power so that you can be equipped, able to face every day and to serve him in the way that he sees fit. We all need his presence, don't we? We need his kingdom to come right now for, for his will to be done here as it is in heaven. Let us pray. Lord, we are waiting. Sweep through this place, Lord. Let heaven come to earth right now.
Let a miracle happen right now in this place. Holy Spirit, come. We want You. We want to be filled with You, to be empowered by You so that we can be Your witnesses, so that other people can know the truth of Jesus. We want people to know the power of Jesus that can can help people to rise up and walk. Oh God, may we put aside our fears. May we put aside our inhibitions. May we open ourselves to You. Holy Spirit, come. As we pray, there'll be people at the front. If you want to come and be prayed for, please come. There's time this morning. Let's take a few minutes to let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.